Uh, well, we're continuing in our series on in Acts um, this week, uh, but I wanted to share with you a little bit of story. So, uh, I used to work as an engineer, and my office was this demountable building with one of those uh, corrugated steel roofs. And so, you can imagine when it rained, uh, was the noise was deafening, right? And I sat next to this English bloke by the name of Dave, and uh, he had this kind of classic, dry English sense of humour. And every time it rained, he'd turn to me, and I can't do an English accent, so I won't even try, but he turned to me and he'd say, Hey, Rog, is that rain I hear? <laughs> and and I, I've been thinking of him, I must have been over the last couple of weeks, um, Tuesday a week ago, I think it was Tuesday, there was that massive downpour, might have been Monday or Tuesday, it took me by surprise, I hadn't really checked the forecast, and so my carpets um, got drenched. But fun fact here, it turns out that jumping castle blowers, which we've got a couple here at church, are really good for drying out wet carpets, so just in case you've got one at home. But after what happened last week, um, I was far more prepared. I went up and Nikki reminded me, I have to admit, but I said, make sure you clean the gutters this time. So I cleaned all the gutters, got all the leaves out, uh, had the carpets ready to roll back. Uh, maybe you've got a similar story. Um, when we anticipate something coming, when we can forecast it, it actually helps us get prepared in the present, doesn't it? Uh, and I think it's, it's true to say that that's, that's true of all of life. Um, how we see things playing out in the future is really important. It helps us to act in the present. And if it's true of everyday life, I want to suggest that it's also true when we look at the unbelieving world around us. You see, as we share the gospel with our unbelieving friends, family, schoolmates, probus members, work colleagues, well, what's the forecast? Because knowing the forecast helps us prepare ourselves in the present. We're going to take a look at Acts chapter 18 as we wrestle with how to answer this question. Uh, what's the forecast when it comes to sharing the gospel with unbelievers? What's the forecast? But why don't I pray for us as we begin? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you are the God who reveals yourself to us in your Son, uh, and that you are the God who promises that in your kindness you will call some to yourself. Help us to trust this promise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week we move from Athens to neighbouring Corinth, uh, being a harbour city, Corinth was as prosperous as it was morally bankrupt. Uh, standing over the uh, city, about 600 metres above the city of Corinth, was the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. But in truth, it was all about sex. It wasn't really about love. And to serve her, there were a thousand prostitutes who would actually roam the night streets of Corinth. Uh, the Corinthians earned a reputation for their incredible sexual promiscuity. Might even give Sydney a run for its money. 
And for its part, against this backdrop, rather, Paul would call the Corinthians to turn away from their sexual immorality, to seek forgiveness in Jesus' name, and by God's power to begin living the transformed life for Jesus' glory. Uh, This was a big task then as it is now. And boy, did Paul feel the pressure Uh, We read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3 these words. I, Paul, came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Would the gospel bear fruit in this ancient city, not too dissimilar to our own, proud and morally bankrupt? On Paul's arrival in Corinth, he meets a Jew named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. Together they work as tent makers during the week, but then on the Sabbath, on the Saturday, they would share, or Paul rather, would share about the message of Jesus in the local synagogue. And the word shared results in point number one, the word opposed. And reading from verse five, it says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul then devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. It's an important and repeated theme through the book of Acts. The word shared sometimes results in the word opposed. It's likely that with the arrival of Silas and Timothy from Thessalonica came a monetary gift from the church there. And that is the reason that Paul could then share the gospel full time. But with increased proclamation comes increased opposition, even abuse. Uh, We won't read it, we heard it read before, but we see something similar in verse 12 to 17. This is probably a little later on during Paul's stay, but some Jews in Corinth, they unite together and they bring Paul to the Roman courts. And they seek a favourable hearing with Galileo, the Roman governor of their region. Galileo dismisses the case based on irrelevant charges. And then strangely, the Jews pour out their wrath on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader. He's beaten without cause. Now, if you're anything like me, you can easily get disheartened when the gospel falls on deaf ears. Do you ever feel like that? You get disheartened about sharing the gospel? Uh, Even more so when we have the door sometimes literally closed in our faces. How does Paul's experience help us? Well, I think it normalises it. It builds the expectation, it builds the forecast that sometimes this will happen. And when you build that expectation that sometimes the gospel will fall on deaf ears, that actually helps us to keep speaking. As Paul will remind the Corinthian church in later years, we heard it read before from 2 Corinthians, for we are to God the pleasing aroma to Christ. So he's saying whenever we preach the gospel, we are the pleasing aroma of Christ to God. He's pleased with it. He's pleased when we preach the gospel among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. 
To one, we are the aroma that brings death. To the other, the aroma that brings life. What's the forecast when it comes to sharing the gospel with those who don't believe? Well, the word proclaimed will sometimes result in the word opposed. And we need to expect that, but also at times the opposite will be true. We also see point number two, the word believed. We read from verse 7, these words, uh, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptised. There's only two verses, but it's actually really easy to pass over. But can I say, this is enormous. Uh, The Church of Christ is born in Corinth for the very first time. The first time in history, in a city of opulence, pride and promiscuity, not only does a Jewish family believe, but many local Greeks as well. And it began remarkably with Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue in Corinth, believing the message of the gospel. Uh, Years ago, I used to be at Christchurch St. Ives, and I met this guy there named Andy Southerton. I remember hearing his conversion story for the first time. He was actually from a deeply committed Mormon family. But Andy's dad began reading the Bible for himself. And as he read, God's Spirit convicted him that what he was being taught by the church seemed deeply flawed. And so he humbly sought to question those who were in spiritual authority over him. But they refused to listen. In fact, it was out of place for him to even question them. Uh, You can question what I say. I'm not the authority. The Bible is the authority. And then one day he was convicted of the gospel of free forgiveness that we don't earn God's forgiveness. It's something that's actually freely given us through his son. And he became a follower of Jesus for the first time. And in God's kindness, over time, Andy's family also became a Christian. Andy became a Christian, his family as well. But the backlash they received was intense. They were completely rejected. Those who were once considered close family would no longer even speak to them. I want you to imagine that, and I want you to multiply it seven times. And I think you'll get a picture of what it might have looked like for Crispus and his whole household to believe in Jesus. It's not simply an individual religious preference that we might talk about today, believing in Jesus. It's a social, political and religious upheaval. And the epicentre of the fallout would have been Crispus and his entire household. But the encouragement for us, friends, is that the gospel here is powerful. Sometimes the word is believed. And sometimes it's by the most unlikely of candidates. Uh, We might think that a conservative Muslim would never believe in Jesus. 
I don't have the book here, but there's a book called The Son of Hamas. And this, this young man, was, was he, he was going to be one of the next you know, leaders in Hamas. And he ended up becoming a Christian. He almost died for it as well. Uh, we might think that a hardened atheist would never believe in God. Uh, this is Anthony Flew. Uh, he was the Richard Dawkins of his age, the most famous English-speaking atheist in the world. But at the age of 83, he wrote these words. I've followed the argument where it has led me, and it has led me to accept the existence of a self-existent, immutable, immaterial, omnipotent, and omniscient being. In other words... He became a believer in an all-powerful, all-knowing God. He didn't become a Christian, as far as I know, but he came to believe in God. Uh, Sometimes the word is believed. Can I say, we want to ask the question, what's the forecast when it comes to sharing the gospel with unbelievers? Well, for Paul, we've seen that the gospel message has this twin response, doesn't it? Sometimes the word is opposed, but sometimes it's believed. The word is received. But can I say, even Paul at times felt like giving up. He was there for a year and a half, but he felt like giving up. And that's when he needed and we need point number three, the word promised. We read from verse nine these words. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. No one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. The word here for many people is actually the Old Testament word for Israel, for God's people. Now including the Gentiles or non-Jews. Uh, Jesus had said to his disciples years earlier as the good shepherd, he had other sheep, not off this sheep pen, that is the Gentiles. And here in Corinth, God is saying there are sheep whom have not yet believed. But they would soon because according to the word promise, God had already set them apart. I have many people in this city. What encouragement that would have been to Paul and also to us. Our British evangelist David Robertson recounts how sometimes he gets asked this question. Why do you bother? Why do you bother? You will never persuade anyone. And he writes something like this. I completely agree. It is not up to me to persuade anyone. We'll read it later in Acts. But when Paul was asked by King Agrippa if he thought that he could persuade Agrippa to be a Christian, he responded like this. Paul said, short time along, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. Paul is saying it is only God through the Holy Spirit who will enable anyone to believe. And that's why we pray. That's why Paul prays, 
It is God who enables an unbeliever to become what we are today if you're a Christian, believers in Jesus. That is the word promised. For Paul, the word promised encouraged him to stay in Corinth for another year and a half. And in the same way, we can be encouraged to keep sharing about life with Jesus. And doing that actually with confidence, not in ourselves, but in the knowledge that God's Spirit will convict some in this city, in this suburb. Uh, Early in term two, we're going to be running again Christianity Explored, an opportunity for those who are unbelievers to hear about Jesus. Uh, That's only two months away. Maybe if you're not already, you could start praying for someone you know who doesn't yet believe that Jesus is king. Uh, For me, it's my mate Adam. Uh, We've had some good conversations. He's a soccer dad. We've gone a little deeper than the soccer and the rain. But I need to be praying for him, that God would call him. For it is God who calls, it is God who persuades, then I need to pray. My call isn't to determine whether Adam is going to heaven, but my calling is to point him to the way. I need to be seeing the opportunities that God will open up between now and the month of May. He gave me this book to read called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. But it's it's about that thick. It's not that brief. I guess it is humankind. Uh, But it's written by this atheist historian, Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, I've read it. And now what do I need to do? I, I need to book in a beer and a chat with Adam. That's my next step. And again, pray that God would do the calling. And I want to ask you this morning, who is the person in your life who, who you could be taking that next step with? Who's that person? If you don't have someone, then, then pray that God would give you someone. Let me finish. When it comes to sharing the gospel with unbelievers, it's good to know the forecast. I've seen today that the forecast is sometimes that the word will be opposed, and we need to expect that. But other times the word will be believed, and why? Because of the word promised. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it shows us that Jesus is the one who calls people to yourself. And so we pray, Father, that in our lives, as we look out on those who are our family and friends, that we might see that the gospel will be received by some, and so that we should pray for them, that we would hold out the word of life, and that in your kindness some would come to believe. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.